you'd turn in your Bibles now to 1 Thessalonians. We'll pick back up in chapter 4, verse 13, down to verse 18. We want to conclude our, our time in this passage that pictures the rapture of the church. And while I would readily admit to you there are people who love the Lord, who are going to heaven, who will vehemently disagree with everything that I'm about to say, uh, from the position that they believe that the church is going to go through the tribulation, or maybe they even believe we're already in it. There are many views on this particular subject, but I happen to believe that the rapture of the church is an essential doctrine, not because you're going to be saved by understanding it, but because it shows the grace of God in action even towards his church, who's already saved. Because the grace that saves is the grace that keeps and sustains and will one day get us home. And so I believe the rapture of the church, the snatching away, the harpazo, the removal of the church is essential. For in the very last days, God is going to pour out his wrath on this earth. And and while I don't want anybody to go through that, given what I saw, excuse me, Yesterday, when I was out in Palm Desert with my son Austin out at the Garden Fellowship, did a men's conference out there, uh, Coachella is going on right now. And what I saw broke my heart. I can only imagine, I can only imagine what it does to the heart of God to see hundreds of thousands of young people, primarily 18 to 25, maybe 30, in such a debauched state of mind that they're running around looking for some way to fill that relational hole that's in their heart, and they're stuffing it with drugs, sexual relationships. I saw a guy pushing a shopping cart. It was completely layered from top to bottom. stacked up to here with alcohol. One guy. I don't know where he was going, but I know where he went. He went to a Toyota Corolla that didn't look like it even moved. And so he could afford all of that alcohol, but couldn't afford a decent car. That's a messed up life that needs Jesus. And the world is not getting better. The world is, in fact, spiraling downward. And while it's not an irreversible uh, problem to God, because God is the solution himself. Amen? There is going to come a point in time when it's going to get worse than what it is right now. And God's going to finally say, enough, I can't let this continue any longer. And he is going to come back to this earth for the very specific purpose that's mentioned in the book of Joel. Because the world will spiral out of control to the point that sin will basically overtake the earth. And I don't know how much worse it's got to get than it is right now, but I know there's a day coming when God's going to say, man's not turning back from this. And he's going to pour out his wrath on this earth. Not because he hates man, because he loves man. But sin will get so bad that God will have no choice. Before he does that, there's something that needs to occur. And that's he needs to get us out of here. 
Because right now, the Spirit of God dwells in every single believer. And some people, because of that, see you as the solution. See us as the solution. And in fact, they actually believe that instead of a relationship with Jesus Christ, they need a relationship with the church. The church can't save. The church doesn't save. There is no church that saves anyone. Jesus Christ alone saves. Amen? So at times, because of the work that's being done in you and the work that's being done in me, people look at us instead of Jesus. But there will come a point in time when God will say, enough is enough. I'm going to make the choice between the broad road that leads to destruction and the narrow way that leads to salvation so obvious that everyone will be forced to make that decision. And that period of time we know as the tribulation. It's pictured for us in Revelation chapter 6 all the way to chapter 19. And when God begins that time, also known as the time of Jacob's trouble, He will begin that time principally because of what the book of Joel tells us about the nation Israel. The nation Israel has been the most persecuted group of people ever in the history of humanity. And they remain so to this day. But God has not missed any of it. And because Jesus was sent to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, God still has a plan for national Israel. And it includes what Romans 11 declares very plainly, that one day all Israel will be saved. In order to do that, we need to be out of the picture. Because he's not appointed us to wrath, but unto salvation. And because he wants the nation Israel to plainly see Messiah. And so there will be a time that you don't want to be here for. In order that you might miss that, we have the rapture of the church. And so we'll pick up in verse 13 in our remaining time. Would you join me here as we'll read these verses? And then we'll pray and ask God to show us a couple of things as we conclude our time. Verse 13, 1 Thessalonians 4, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Now, if you were a good investigative journalist, if you were someone who writes well, or maybe you're doing some kind of study, there is a simple way for you to discern many, if not most, things. You need to know the who, what, the when, the where, the why, and the how. Amen? So whenever you're trying to discern what something is about, you need those pieces of information. And so as we read these verses, would you look for the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, and the how? But I do not want you, who's the you? Christians. To be ignorant, brethren, also meaning Christians, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Who's the who there? That's people who aren't here with us anymore. It's a euphemism for they have gone somewhere because they are no longer alive. Lest you sorrow as the the others who have no hope. Who would that be? Two different peoples in view there. People who have died and know Jesus and people who have died and do not know Jesus. It starts to get cleared up when you see the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, and the how. For if we, who would the we be, 
if Paul's writing to believers and he uses the word we, that would be including himself. Amen? So who are the we? There are people who are alive at that time. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Do we believe that Jesus died and rose again? Amen. We just celebrated it. He is risen. Amen. So we believe that Jesus died and he rose again. So who's the we? It's all believers who have ever believed that Jesus died and rose again. Whether they are asleep, which means they have already gone home to where Jesus is. Where's Jesus? He's in heaven. So you have in view two groups of people. You know the who. Those who are in heaven who know Jesus and those who are on earth who know Jesus. You see, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Where's he at? Here's one of the where's. He's in heaven. It's where Jesus is. Amen? Amen. And there's a group of people that are already with him. For to be absent, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5, for to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So it gets fairly simple to pull this apart and to find out he's talking about a group of people that are already in heaven with Jesus. That's one of the groups. Even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. You see, you can be asleep but not be sleeping in Jesus. You can die, and you get two choices of where you'd like to spend that eternity. One is heaven, and the other is hell. And before anybody gets too upset, Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven. So if I mention hell, it's not because I'm trying to mention hell and scare you. It's because Jesus mentioned hell for a reason. So I think I need to leave hell in the equation. There's two choices. And you get to pick. So he says, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. That's another wonderful way of saying, thus says the Lord. This isn't Paul's opinion. Not something he made up. He didn't make up the rapture in his mind and go, hey, I need to tell these people some freaky doctrine. This I say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain, whoops, there's a second group of people. So you have two groups of people and they're not in the same place because Paul is on the earth when he says this and he's talking about we, he's talking about them, he's talking about us, he's talking about people in heaven and people on the earth. So this we say to you by the word of the Lord. That we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. You see the two groups of people? Do you see that they're not in the same place? But they're going to be in the same place. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Where's Jesus? Heaven. He's got a group of people with him, and there's a group of people that are not with him, and they are still on earth. We will not precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, snatched away by force, removed from the earth, right in the middle of their daily duties. They will be joined together with the group that's already in heaven. You see the two groups? And you see what he's doing. 
The word there caught up, the Greek word harpazo, the Latin word rapturo, from which we get the word rapture. So the Bible was originally written in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, translated first into Latin, which was the language of the Roman world, and then into the various languages, Germanic, generally speaking, German and English. So the word is there. It's not there in the English, but it is there in the original language. It's harpazo, rapturo in Latin. Caught up together with them, notice where it is. In the clouds. It's not on the earth. It's not in Jerusalem. When Jesus comes again, where are his feet going to land? On the Mount of Olives. Zechariah told us. Ezekiel reminded us. We know where his second coming is going to be. That is to Jerusalem. This is in the clouds. To meet the Lord. And in case you missed it the first time, in the air. So this meeting is two groups of people. One of them's already in heaven. The second is on the earth. It is not the second coming of the Lord because there's no mention of anything negative here. There's no place for the tribulation. There, there's no place for the wrath of God to be poured out. This is a meeting between two groups of believing people. And they exist in two different places. One in heaven, one on the earth. And they are going to meet together, not on the earth, but in heaven. So it becomes very clear that this is different than the second coming of the Lord. It's a private homecoming of the church into heaven. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. Now, if you know, and we'll look at this next time, of the second coming... When the Lord returns at the second coming, he's bringing with him who? The church. So this is the recombination of all believers of all time into one place at that time. Everyone who knows the Lord, whether you're already in heaven or whether you're still on the earth, today that would include us. We would be snatched away by force. And that's why he says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the comfort of these words. Lord, that we know every moment of every day we live in that wonderful anticipation that you could call us home to heaven. Lord, forever to be with you. And so, Lord, in this remaining time, these remaining minutes, speak to us powerfully, encourage us through the rapture of the church. We bless you. We praise you. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So when you look at the timing of these things, remember who, what, when, where, why, and how. When you look at the timing of these things, we've been told all kinds of things throughout Scripture about that time when God is going to deal with mankind's sin issue, once and for all, with finiteness. Daniel calls this, this thing Daniel's final week. There are 70 weeks appointed unto man. 69 have occurred. We're waiting for that final week to unravel. That week of years. Seven years where God will finally deal with man's sin problem. It's described for us in Revelation chapter 6 to 19. And if you read those chapters, if you weren't with us as we studied the book of Revelation, you can go to the website Every single one of those chapters, chapter and verse, you can follow along and pick that time up. Because you don't want to be here for that time. 
Because God is going to pour His wrath out on this earth. We have been saved as the children of God from that very wrath. That is what you have been saved from in that sense. And so when people say, well, I think this is just the second coming of the Lord, there's a couple of problems with that. Number one, He doesn't come to the earth. Second coming, Jesus comes to the earth. Number two, when Jesus comes again, it's for the purpose of punishing sin. Dealing with the Antichrist. Taking care of the problems that mankind has allowed to uh, overtake this earth. And so, very clear that this is not the second coming of the Lord that's in view here. During the millennial reign of Christ, which we find uh, established ultimately in Revelation chapter 20, Zechariah reminded us that, that this time the saints are coming with them. Well, the saints all need to be with him to come with him. Amen? So if part of the saints are already here, we can't all come with him back to earth. So we need to be there. Well, right now we're here. So the rapture of the church solves that issue. It puts us all together at that time in heaven. And during the tribulation, just so you don't miss it, someone comes to faith in Christ, they're going to be martyred for their faith. They're going to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. It's going to cost you your life to give your life to Christ during that time. And so, boom, we're all together. All in one place. The Lord will come that second time. And for us, we're looking forward to that time of blessed hope. It would not be blessed hope. Family, think of this. Could we sit here today and have blessed hope if we thought that what happens in Revelation chapter 6 to 19 were going to happen to us after we give ourselves to Jesus? I wouldn't have any blessed hope. I would be scared to death of every moment of my life. I really don't want to be here when the beast establishes his one-world religion, his one-world monetary system, and his one-world government, and then forces people to take his mark to buy and sell so you can stay alive. Now, I'm pretty sure that hasn't happened yet. And so I'm looking forward to not being here when it does. So I have blessed hope that I've been spared from the wrath of God exactly what we will find in chapter 5. So for those who want to be here for that, I have this to say for you. If you're here and you're one of those people who believe we should go through maybe half the tribulation and then take it home, or maybe we should be here for the whole tribulation because we deserve it, I would actually agree with you. I deserve it. But that's how deep the grace of God goes. I won't get what I deserve. Amen? And so when I argue with Bible college students about this thing, and they, you know, they always tell me, well, you know, this could be the tribulation. I go, look, here's the deal. When we get to heaven, we'll both get our theology squared away. <laughs> but here's what's going to happen. I'll already be there, and you can stay here. <laughs> and they're like, well, I don't like that. Well, that's what you're saying. You're saying some Christians are going to stay here and go through the tribulation. Why wouldn't all of them have to stay here and go through the tribulation? Because there's a whole bunch of them already there. So what are these, some like special group of people? Of course they're not. So God makes it completely equal by taking all believers home before he pours out his wrath on the earth. 
It's because we're one big happy family, amen? So we're just going to join like in a parade. We're going to be that next group that joins in the parade before the parade comes back to earth. That's it. It's not that hard to understand. And so God just simply gives us a divine summons. He says, come on up. If Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life, isn't he going to resurrect us to life? Or is he going to resurrect us to the tribulation? I don't think that would be all that fair. Because he promised us a new life. And that new life complete and abiding. And so he's going to take us home. You see, Jesus is going to cause all Christians simultaneously to be in one place. By that divine summons, by snatching us away, by taking us up into the heavens. Notice what it says. The dead in Christ will rise first. You're going to get those resurrected bodies. We'll have already been in the presence of the Lord. Now you just get to put all the pieces together all at once. The easiest way to think on this is God is perfectly just and perfectly fair. So what would you expect him to do? He's certainly not going to leave part of us here, take part of us there. We go through the tribulation. They're up there at the marriage supper of the Lamb enjoying themselves while we're down here being tortured. That's not a just God. So he has to bring us all home. That's why the sequence here is so important. That's why I spent that time saying, where are these people? You have a group in heaven, you have a group on earth, and they don't meet here, they meet there. It's called the rapture of the church. Chronological sequence is very important in this passage. We who are alive and remain, Paul says, in in saying we, he says, I'm one of you. I'm part of the we. We who are alive and remain. You see, here's what's happening. He's living with expectant anticipation of that happening while he's still here. Now, it didn't happen. Now, he may have been disappointed that he wasn't raptured into heaven. But I guarantee you, once he got there, he's going, oh, now I get it. You see, a lot of things that we understand here, we understand with our humanness. When we get there, we'll be able to understand like the Lord would have us understand. Right now we see in part, there we will see fully. And so we live in that expectation that at any moment, walk around doing your little mini rapture drill, you just kind of jump. You just kind of get a little head start. You never know when it might happen. But what it does to you is it does this. You see, because if you know you're going home to heaven... And if you're here and you're in Christ Jesus, you're going home to heaven. That's your next destination. Amen? Amen. Whether you live out your life or whether the rapture happens, your next stop is heaven. Hallelujah? You should want everybody else to go too. So the reason you're still here is to tell everybody else about that. That's why God left you here. Otherwise, you should just, as you get saved, you just like disappear. But no, he's given you a part in his gospel plan. And so he leaves you with the truth of the gospel so you can live out your life. And so when you go through those little tribulations, not the tribulation, but those tribulations, those things that happen in your life, you can give glory and honor and praise to God and say, my God is able. And so people look at your life and they go, whatever you got, I want some of that. Your life then becomes testimony to the truth of the imminent return of the Lord for his church. 
and ultimately his return to punish finitely sin. Take care of it forever. Because right now, the enemy's roaming around. He's doing his thing. Amen? If you don't believe that, drive out to Coachella. Hundreds of thousands of kids out there just out of their minds. Looking for something to fill that void. And they think it's going to be in music or they think it's going to be in some relationship or some party that they're going to go to. And the only thing they will find is emptiness. You have the answer to that emptiness. That's why you're still here. You share Christ, the hope of the rapture of the church. You, you see, when we're caught up and we're snatched away, that word rapturo, uh, when, you, when you translate it, the easiest way to transliterate it, when you say transliteration, translation means to take it in its, in its current context. Transliteration means to take it from one language to another language. When it's transliterated, when it goes from Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic into Latin and finally makes it into English, in English it means to snatch away by force, to pull up, to take away. He's going to have to do that. One day he's going to have to pull us out of here because he's going to do here what he doesn't want to do. What he for 2,000 years has been putting off. Because our God is long-suffering and not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So for 2,000 years, God has been patient. And God has been waiting. But he is not going to wait forever. Sin will not win. The enemy will not win. The enemy is not going to have control forever. He is going to lose. He's going to be cast into the pit. And before he does that, God's going to give everybody one last chance to see his grace. To make a road change. To Instead of going down the broad path that leads to destruction, go down the narrow way that leads to righteousness. Go through the narrow gate that's the gate of the sheep. He's going to give people an opportunity to not walk in darkness, but to walk in light. To no longer give themselves over to the dictates of the flesh, but unto the Spirit. He's going to do that one, and he's going to make it so obvious that nobody's going to mistake anything. It's going to be cut and dry. Before he does that, he needs to take us out of the picture. And so we are to comfort one another with those truths. We work out our lives while we're here in fear and trembling before the Lord. We, we say, God, use me. Help me to, to be a light for you. Help me to share the gospel with people. Help me to be what you called me to be. You see, because you may meet a physical death. You, you may die. I may die. But that's not the end for us. Amen? Though he shall die, yet he shall, she shall live. Amen? That's what Jesus meant when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Amen? That's what he was getting at. This is not the end for us. Here's the good news. You may not actually have to die. That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Maybe all you want to die. I don't know. Group death wish. We need to have a counseling session right now. I, I, I don't. 
I would prefer to not have to suffer and die. I'd like to be taken away. So I pray for the rapture every day. It's like, Lord, if you're done, you want to take us home, get me out of here because I'm ready to go. But if you want to leave me here for a while because you've got more work to do through my life, then you leave me here and I'll bear my cross as you have called me to do. But my comfort is I could be sitting in my office at my desk typing away and Jesus, that's you. Would that be cool or what? It's like, I was just writing about you a second ago. (laughs) Fingers are still moving, absent from the body, present with the Lord. The Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints can occupy the building. Because they're looking for the Latter-day Saints, and they know just enough. They might actually get it once we're gone. I don't mean that to mock. It's the truth. They got the wrong Jesus. My Jesus is going to snatch us out of here one day. The one the Bible talks about. And so we comfort one another with those words. Amen? Amen. Get ready. Jesus is coming. And it might be today. Are you rapture ready? Because if you are, you got lots to smile about. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you stand and let's close in prayer. Now I want to remind you that the choice whether you want to stay here or go there is yours. And we have a prayer team over in our prayer room, left-hand corner of the sanctuary, that would love to meet with you and pray with you. If you don't know Jesus, all you need to do is invite him into your life and he will forgive your sin, cleanse you of your unrighteousness. He'll, He'll work in your life so that you will have eternal life And everything I just said, you can be looking forward to that day when the Lord calls his church home. If you haven't done that, then you have to wonder, where does this road end? I encourage you, don't wonder any longer. Give your life to Jesus today. So we close in prayer. If you need prayer, please go and and let the team pray with you, share the gospel with you. Need a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. We want you to know the Lord so that you can walk in the anxious expectation of his calling the church home. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your blessing, your wonders in our lives, Lord, how we are so blessed to think that one day we could be two walking in the field and home with you. Or it might be at our desk at work or or maybe driving our car. God, we, we pray that you'd make us rapture ready. And so, Lord, we surrender fully to you to your purposes and plans in our lives and we pray uh, that you would make your church mighty a stronghold lord for you to tell people about your marvelous love your goodness we ask these things in the wonderful name of jesus amen amen god bless you